Now at 8.07, Sunday's general election in Cambodia is being described as one of the most oppressive there since the fall of the Khmer Rouge. And it's opened a door for the world's longest-serving Prime Minister to stay in office for another few years. Hun Sen took office at the start of 1985, when the world's prominent leaders were the likes of Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, Deng Xiaoping, and not even quite yet Mikhail Gorbachev. Well, Korea was ruled by Chunduwan at that time, South Korea was anyway, and it's hard to believe Hun Sen is still only 65. Sebastian Strangio is an Australian journalist based in Phnom Penh and covered the election. He has written a book called Hun Sen's Cambodia and joins us on the line. Thank you for doing so. Thanks for having me. I mean, firstly, I'm curious to ask you how safe it is for you to cover this subject. We've heard from reporters in the past who found themselves in trouble for uh, trying to be honest about what goes on in that country. If you asked me that question in the past, uh, I would have told you that it was perfectly safe. You know, Cambodia, since the UN mission of the early 1990s that, that ushered in this current era of democratic uh, politics, um, you know, created a legacy of a relatively free foreign-owned media. Um, Cambodia, until recently, had two high-quality English-language newspapers that published scathing criticisms of the government. And there was never any real sense that, that as journalists, we were, you know, in any sort of danger. But the tables have turned very, very quickly in Cambodia over the past year. And while I think that, you know, most foreign journalists working for, you know, um, international outlets, uh, you know, are, are fine to continue reporting on the country's affairs, I can no longer say so with absolute certainty. Um, the arrest of the Australian filmmaker James Rickardson, who has been languishing in prison for around a year now on charges of espionage, is an indication that the protected status that a lot of foreigners enjoyed in Cambodia through those years of sort of uh, democracy building um, is no, you know, is, is no longer, it does, no longer exists, um, making it much harder for journalists to go about their work. Does it make it even harder for you, given the Australian government's position, suggesting that this election reversed more than 25 years of progress? Well, I mean, I, I agree with the Australian position. Uh, I, I would say, I would go further than that and say that Cambodian democracy has been reversing from nearly the, the first moment that the UN came to the country. Um, and I think in that sense, there's, you know, a significant amount of continuity between what's happening now and, and what's been happening since then. Hun Sen has slowly tightened his grip on Cambodia, you know, ever since 1993, really, the first election held by the UN. Um, but especially since 1997, when he used armed force to um, defeat uh, a coalition partner and, and seize, you know, effective control of the government. Um, and elections since then have all been plagued by allegations of vote tampering, voter tampering, um, electoral irregularities, vote buying, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the most recent election on Sunday was merely, you know, uh, w- was much more open in its spurning of democratic norms. But, um, but it's certain it's not as if Cambodia was a, a you know a consolidated liberal democracy until last week. Hun Sen was the world's youngest head of state when he took office, which explains why he's still only sixty-five now. But what? what has been his secret when we talk about him, for example, clamping down on political opponents. How has he done that? Well, Hansen is a born survivor. Um, he's somebody who spends most of his time in the weighing and accumulation of power. And 
no political opponent has had the same mix of ruthlessness, guile, and political acuity that have allowed him to survive through repeated cycles of Cambodian history. Now, he's somebody who's, who's able to act decisively, often using it with the use of violence, to capitalize on political opportunities. This is something that you know, very few of his opponents, Democratic opponents, have had, um, and even people within his own party, uh, rivals, uh, you know, over the years. You know, Hun Sen has shown himself to, you know, to be the only person who, who can, who's willing to make those, you know, those decisions at crucial moments and act decisively without thinking twice. Um, he's, he's been very effective also at manipulating his country's uh, history of conflict and it's des- and, and the people's desire for you know a return to peace and normality. He's built his political claim on the idea that he say he brought deliverance to Cambodia and the Cambodian People's Party gave Cambodia what they term the country's second birth after the horrors of the Khmer Rouge era. What about the status of the opposition in any sense? Uh, okay, there may not have been an opponent who's been able to stand up to him for the reasons you've just laid out, but according to this election, the ruling party has won every seat in Parliament. How is that even possible? Well, there were 19 small parties running in the election, but except for one of them, none of these parties had won a parliamentary seat before. And so they, they you know... Uh, um, they provided no meaningful opposition to the CPP. The Cambodian National Rescue Party, which is the country's only viable opposition, was dissolved by the Supreme Court in November, um, leaving the way open for Hun Sen's party to, to essentially run unopposed. Um, you know, and this is one of the, the real uh, breaks with the past. In, in the past, there were always significant opposition parties running. While Hun Sen's party would always emerge victorious in one way or another, there was at least the appearance of a democratic contest. In this election, you know, that, that fiction was thrown out the window, and it, you know, it, there was no, you know, there was no chance that, that uh, the CPP would fail to win, you know, a, a, a large majority of the seats. And in the event, they are claiming to have won every single one, which decisively brings the era of, you know, at least the appearance of multi-party democracy in Cambodia to an end. Oh, it calls to mind countries like North Korea, doesn't it? And the thing is, North Korea's had three leaders when we look at the history since 1985. It's just, I can't get over that idea when you think how much the world's changed, that it's the same same person in charge over all that period of time. How much of a grip does he have on ordinary people's lives? Well, the Cambodian People's Party has a very prominent role in the lives of ordinary people, it you know the bedrock of its control is the the, the village and the commune authorities, uh, and these authorities are, are central to the lives of ordinary people. If you want to get a marriage license or sell a piece of land, um, or you know any number of other sort of clerical or administrative tasks, you have to go through the local CPP officials. And if those officials know you to be a, you know an opposition supporter or somebody who say called for a boycott at this election. Um, you know, they can cut you out, essentially, of those services and make life very difficult for you. Um, you know, and so, you know, often, you know, people, uh, you know, in the past perceived a, a disjuncture between Hun Sen himself and the local authorities, and they would even appeal to Hun Sen personally to intervene to to address various, you know, local local corruption or other, other sorts of abuses. 
But increasingly, people are beginning to associate Hun Sen himself with the problems that they face in their local communities. And this is sort of part of what's driven a rise in opposition to the CPP over the last decade, and is precisely the reason that the CPP has gone to such lengths to remove opposition from the field. Well, there has been some reporting in this election process that some people were finding creative ways to not vote for Hun Sen in this election. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, this, you know, this election, after, after people who voted for the CPP, the next most popular choice was to spoil the ballot. And so you had people drawing, you know, um, obscene diagrams um, and messages on votes that they, you know, and this was their way of registering um, their, you know, opposition to the process and their, and their, you know, their opposition to the, you know, the, the dissolution of Cambodia's main opposition party. The, you know, the, the, from exile, the CNRP had called for Cambodians to boycott the polls in the hopes that large numbers of people would stay away. But the Cambodian government made it very clear that anyone advocating a boycott would be considered a traitor and potentially, you know, hauled into prison. And so I think they, you know, people were too scared to stay away. But what they did instead was to, you know, you know, mark their ballot in such a way as to, to make it invalid and, and send a subtle message that, you know, they didn't see this election as legitimate in any way. So when we talk about support for this country uh, within, it's very questionable. What about from outside? What's the role, for example, in China in supporting this authoritarian regime? China's been a very active supporter of Hun Sen since the late 1990s. As Hun Sen has sought to relieve himself of the the burden of demands from Western democratic countries to, you know, improve governance and human rights and democratic um, conditions within the country, China has, has offered for Hun Sen a very useful counterweight to that. It offers large amounts of infrastructure aid and investment and loans decoupled from any particular governance conditions. And so, you know, as China's, you know, economy has boomed and it's become very, very important for Hun Sen, he's become less and less vulnerable to Western opinion. And Hun Sen, it's important to remember, has never accepted, never accepted the legitimacy of the international project to bring democracy to Cambodia. He, you know, was one of the Cambodian factions that was essentially pushed to the table to sign the agreement, um, but then immediately set about trying to turn the agreement um, in 1991 to his own ends. And Ever since then, he sought relief from this project and from the special status that Cambodia attained in the eyes of, of many in the West. And I think that, you know, China has offered him, you know, a, a, either the means to, you know, unilaterally renegotiate or reshape the terrain of Cambodian politics more to his liking. Um, you know, this is, this is the end of a very long process of resentment and, um, you know, uh, a very long political game by the Prime Minister. Sebastian Strangio, journalist, author of Hun Sen's Cambodia. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Thanks.